Hey, let's give the worship team a hand this morning. Thank you guys for leading us in the worship. Well, good morning, family. Good to see you guys. Grace and peace be yours in the name of Jesus. That's who we've come to worship. It's become a rhythm for our church to walk through a selection uh, in the Psalms during the summer months, which is what we're doing. The Psalms are instructions for, for living that blessed life, that abundant life that the Lord is desires for us and these psalms were these instructions were put to music so that they could be remembered you know you tend to remember things you sing over and over right and they're most similar to what we know today is poetry and this poetry is meant to actually help us the psalms are to help us properly pray uh, to feel as relational beings our emotions to understand life as we're interacting in life and even to help us actually relate to God and last week we began our soundtrack series in Psalm 91 today if you would open your Bibles to Psalm 92 that's where we're going to be Psalm 92 and we are going to be looking at a song of rest so please give your attention to the reading of God's word it is good to give thanks to the Lord to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the heart, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured oil over my well, you have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are even ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no uprighteousness in him. This is the name of the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Let's pray, family. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for being our true and our better and perfect father, the father that we always wanted, the father that we have always needed and knew existed. Lord, we give our life to you, and Father, we need you to talk to us. We need you to tell us what's right and wrong. We need you to tell us what is life and death. We need you to show us the way and help us actually walk in the way. We need you. And so, Lord, would you please speak to our innermost being today and help us love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. In Jesus' anointed name we pray, amen. Amen. The title of this song gives us a hint on how we're to use this psalm. It's, it's a song. Clearly states that. It's a song. So you're supposed to sing it, not just read it. You sing it. 
and it's got a little tune and maybe a beat to it. We also learn in this title that it's a song to be sung on the Sabbath. That's uh, Israel's day of rest. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever, um, you ever put on music when you wanted to relax? You know, you wanted to just kind of chill out a little bit. You turned on some music, didn't you? You wanted to take a nap on the couch, maybe after, on a Sunday afternoon, or maybe you just wanted to relax on a, your rocking chair or swing in your hammock. Well, what did you do? You didn't put on, like, heavy metal music, right? Probably didn't do that, or really loud pop music, hip-hop. Probably didn't do that. I mean, if you want to work out, that's where you go. I mean, if you want to headbang or you want to dance or celebrate, like, that's the kind of music you put on. That's where you go. But when you, but when you want something to help you enter into a place of rest, you put something on that's melodic. It's got a melody, and it's soft to your ears. It helps you rest. This is how we are to use Psalm 92 and other psalms with similar content this is what we sing when we need to experience rest from our work this should make it somewhere on the church's playlist the wind down from the work week playlist when we gather together and we worship the lord this should make it into the rotation You see, we know that we are people that are actually created to need rest. We need rest. That's not part of the fall. That's part of design. Creation. You and I, we need rest. We know that God has provided rest for his people. But how do you and I actually experience this rest as the people of of God. Well, this is what the psalm is teaching us this morning, how to enter into real rest. We enter into this Sabbath rest, first of all, by declaring the work that God has done for us. You and I, we declare the work that God has done for us. Look at the text, verse 1 through 4. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to Sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning, that's what we're doing right now, and your faithfulness at night. That's probably what we're gonna do later tonight. For the mus- to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by the work of your hand. At the works of your hand, I sing for joy. The first thing that we're confronted with in this psalm is that God defines real rest for his people. Not our culture, not even our Christian subculture, not our personal feelings, not our environment. God has created us with a need for rest. Therefore, he defines what it means to rest. Sabbath rest means two things. First, it means that we cease from our normal work and production. You know that stuff that we're doing throughout the week that we're normally working on? We cease from doing that normal work and production. And secondly, it means to worship God with the people of God. Isn't that interesting? 
That is what the psalmist is focusing on here. True rest for us means that we set aside time every week to stop our normal work, our normal production, and actually worship the Lord together. We're picking up a different kind of work. We're kind of swapping out works. And when we do this, there is real rest for our soul, he says. Do you want to get a taste of God's rest? And the psalmist says, then set aside time to intentionally adore the Lord every week with other believers. Mark it off. Protect it. Make that time sacred in your week, in your schedule. And why? Because that is what gives our rest soul, or gives our soul rest. And what gives our soul rest is not recounting all the work that we have done for the Lord the last six days. That is not what gives our soul rest. What gives our soul rest is recounting all the work that God has done for us that we have forgotten over the last six days. And that's what we need We need one another to remind each other of God's goodness, God's work on our behalf. There is actual refreshment for the deepest part of our being to be found in gathering together to lift up the name of the Lord higher than any other name in the world. The psalmist plainly states here in verse 1 that it is good for us to sing to the Lord. There's blessing here for us. As a matter of fact, it's fitting for people who claim to be the people of God to do this. It matches up. There is real rest to be found in putting our thanks and our praises to God into melodies with our mouths and with instruments. We are literally made glad by God in the act of singing to God about God. Isn't that incredible? You see, the wisdom of our day says, look, I'm only going to sing when my emotions let me sing. Otherwise, I'm being fake. And I don't want to be fake. I want to be real. I want to be authentic. So I only sing when my feelings tell me it's okay to sing that song that we're singing. But God seems to be saying the exact opposite. His wisdom seems to be the opposite of the wisdom of our world. Sing the song and emotions will follow. Sing about what I have done on your behalf. Sing about how I have worked for your good. Because as you and I worship, your thinking, your desires, loves, they gradually become shaped by the God that you worship. Our worship gatherings are not just songs, sermons, sacraments, scripture readings, and prayers that are just thrown together. It's not like some big just mashup every time we get together. Our worship gatherings, guys, are unified rehearsals every week of the good news about God. And this is the good news about God. The Lord has worked with his own hands on our behalf That's the gospel of God. And the gospel is the center of our worship to God. 
That is our song of rest. And as we rehearse this song of rest week in and week out, we as a people actually become shaped by that song that we're singing corporately, that we're singing together. Guys, is this how you view weekly worship? Is this how you view weekly worship? Or do you see it as a religious obligation? I can kind of do it or not do it. I kind of have to do it. Because if it is, God wants to enlarge your vision of worshiping him. He wants to expand that. He wants to expand that. He wants us to see it as a way for us to experience his rest. And oh, by the way, help other people do the same that need rest. To experience true rest for our soul, we need to carve out sacred time every week to gather together to declare to one another the works of the Lord. We speak to one another in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. That's what we're doing when we gather together. So what works are we to declare every week? If that's what we're doing, we're declaring the work that God has done on our behalf, then what are those works that God has done? We should probably know that. It says right here, In Psalm 92, the Lord has graciously opened our eyes to his glory. That's what we're declaring. The Lord has graciously opened our eyes to his glory. Psalm 92, verse 6 and 7. The stupid man cannot know. We can't say that word in our house, but I can say that at church. (laughs) The stupid man cannot know. It's right here in the Bible, right? (laughs) The fool cannot understand this. That though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. So what works of the Lord should we be declaring and we should be rehearsing when we do this worship? That the Lord has graciously opened our eyes to his glory. In verses 6 through 9, the psalmist juxtaposes the stupidity of the foolish right next to the glory and exaltedness of God. He puts them right together, and he's saying something in doing that. The stupid fool doesn't know how exalted, doesn't know how high, how wonderful, how glorious and worthy of worship the Lord is. And by the way, This is not a comment on their intelligence. That's not what the psalmist is saying when he says stupid. He's not making a comment like they're not very smart. They're probably brilliant. They're probably very intelligent. It's not a comment on their intelligence. It's not a put down. It's a statement of fact. It's a comment about how they use their intelligence, how they employ their brilliance, their mind, their thinking. They use it to blind themselves from the Lord's greatness. I'm smart, and I, know, and I know there is no God. I see everything. I know everything. I'm so cynical. I can see through what everyone else is looking at. I can see through that because I'm smart. It's, it's using their mind. It's using our intelligence to say, I, I can actually separate from God. I don't want it. I don't want him. Psalmist says that they cannot know God. They cannot know God, even when they are looking right at his glory. They're looking right at it, and they can't even notice it. 
They don't even want it. They cannot understand, even when they hear people worshiping Him. They're like, no, not for me. See, a foolish man or woman, a fool has eyes, but they cannot see the truth about the Lord with those eyes. And so therefore, they live for themselves. Fine, there's a God, he's over there. I got a great, it's like my great aunt once told me, I got a great relationship with God. I don't bother him and he doesn't bother me. And that's my relationship with God. And she was a fool for saying that. So the fool says, I'm gonna live for myself. I'm gonna do whatever protects me, makes my family happy, what makes me happy, what looks good in my own eyes. And you know what? That looks, that looks all right. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. It seems to be the good life. It seems to be the blessed life. It seems to make sense to live like that for a while because there seems to be some prosperity in doing that. But in the end, the psalmist says, is destruction forever. Their fate is doomed because they are blind to the Lord. They're blind and they want to be blind. They make themselves blind. And then lo and behold, look what happens in verses 10 and 11. Did you guys catch it? Something happens in verses 10 and 11 to the psalmist. He goes from talking about fools and the exaltedness of the Lord to talking about himself. Now, isn't that interesting? Somehow the psalmist has been united to the Lord. Look at verses 10 and 11. But, so it's contrasting what he's just said. But you have exalted my horn. You've done this work for me. You did something for me. What was it? You exalted my horn. Meaning like when you go into battle, right? You've exalted my horn like, the, like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me. See, you did something for me. Lord, you did something for me. You poured oil, a, a fresh oil. So the Lord, he said, look, you anointed me. I wasn't anointed by you, and now I'm anointed by you. I wasn't exalted, now I'm exalted by you. Verse 11, my eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. So uh, the Lord is, we didn't read this, but the Lord is exalted in verse 8, and the psalmist has been exalted and anointed. The Lord's exalted, he's the anointed one, and, and now the psalmist has been exalted and anointed. The Lord's enemies have suddenly become the psalmist's enemies. Isn't that curious? All of a sudden, he can see their end result. The end result of the fool's life apart from worshiping God. His eyes work properly. His ears are working properly. What work is the psalmist praising the Lord for specifically? He's saying, you did this. You did this for me. What's he, what's he praising the Lord for? that the Lord has changed him. The Lord has changed him. He's been converted. It's amazing that at one time he was a stupid fool that did not know God or worship God with his life. See, we read this, and I, I mean, I read this this week. Well, there's these stupid fools, and those are the bad guys, and I'm over here, and I'm the good guys. What he's saying is, like, I was one of them. And I didn't have a chance to get out of that. 
So I was blind. In fact, he could, he could not know God on his own. It took an act of God for him to know God. And he deserved destruction. That's why he's rehearsing this. That's why he's recounting this. He knows what he deserved. He deserved doom forever, but the Lord graciously intervened in his desperate situation by revealing himself to the psalmist. The Lord graciously opened his eyes and ears so that he would be exalted with him, that he would live with him forever. And this is what we declare, brothers and sisters, in our worship to the Lord every week. We declare the gospel. That God has done a work on our behalf to save us from destruction, which is what we deserve. And he said, I save you, I rescue you. And not only that, I exalt you as I am exalted. The truth is, guys, we were blind to God's majesty and we were blind to our own destruction. I was blind to my own destruction. And I was all around God and God's people. (laughs) It wasn't like I was somewhere far away from all that. We were. We thought life without the Lord was fine, prosperous, maybe even advantageous because he's not getting in our way of a good time even though we were actually doomed forever. And the Lord himself intervened. The Lord rescued us from that destiny. The Lord, not us, graciously opened our eyes to our foolishness and his majesty at the same time. That's what happened. He revealed himself to us that that we could exalt him and even be exalted in him. What a great God. And who is this Lord? Who is this, you should ask yourself, who, by this point, who is this Lord who does this work? Who is this Lord who opens the eyes of the blind and reveals himself to people who are stupid and foolish and don't deserve it? Who is the Lord who does this amazing work? I believe that the Lord who opened the eyes of the psalmist is the same Lord who opened our eyes. None other than the Lord Jesus himself. Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus is the Lord of the Old Testament. There is one Lord. It's him. He's been doing it a long time. But it's the same Lord. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 9. Having said these things, he, that's Jesus, spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the, that's an interesting word for putting spit mud on someone's face. (laughs) He didn't just put it on his eyes. What did he do? John says he anointed him. Hmm. Let the reader understand. He anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, he gave him a command, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means since. So he went and washed and came back seen. He went and he washed. He came back seeing. Verse 14. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. You know what rest is? It's when Jesus opens your eyes. 
to Jesus. You don't open your eyes to Jesus. Jesus opens your eyes to Jesus. He anoints you. He exalts you with him. What did the man see when he came back? He saw Jesus. For the first time in his life, he may have been hearing these stories for a while, but the first time in his life, he saw the Lord in Jesus Christ. He came back seeing. Oh, what a day of rest that was for him. Brothers and sisters, the only reason we can find rest in knowing and worshiping God is because the Lord Jesus has opened our eyes to our foolishness and his majesty. That is steadfast love. That is faithfulness day and night from the Lord. That is mercy. That is our Lord Jesus saving us from a worthless life and a bitter end. And he is worthy of the highest and the loudest praise forever and ever. Amen. And every week until that day. He's worthy of that. That's worthy of our time. There's another work that the Lord has done on our behalf, and it's this. The Lord has generously given us a home with him eternally. The Lord is generous. He's not just been gracious. He's also been generous by giving us a home with him forever. As if opening our blind eyes to the Lord and rescuing us from destruction forever wasn't good enough, the Lord has actually done even more work on our behalf. He's a great God, guys. Are you guys getting this? These are not just words we're singing. I want to show you this. He wants us to see this. He's wonderful. Look at verses 12 through 14. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. You ever seen a cedar in Lebanon? I have. They're big. They're not like the cedars around here that get knocked over when the wind blows. They're massive. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still, get this, they still bear fruit in old age. Now how's that happen? Nothing bears fruit in old age. Not you nor trees, right? They're ever full of sap and green. That means they're continuously living. It's eternal life. True rest, guys, cannot be ours apart from living with the Lord. It's a package deal. The benefits of the Lord can never be separated from the Lord himself because the Lord is our blessing. The Lord is our inheritance. To be with the Lord is like being home. That's why he's using that picture of home because that's what it's like to be with the Lord and planted in his house forever and ever. To be in the Lord's presence is like being in the home that you always wanted, that you always dreamed was true. Even though maybe you broke, grew up in a broken home. You know, there's a, there's a home, there's a true home out there. That's the Lord. That's being and living with him. It's a home where there's plenty of love instead of not enough. There's plenty of food instead of not enough. There's plenty of shelter instead of not enough. There's plenty of time instead of not enough. 
You know that ache you feel when you're like, man, I just, we don't have enough time. It's not that way with the Lord. You see, when you have enough and in, in plenty of shelter, an abundance of food and shelter and love and time, you know what you have? You got rest. You have rest. And all that's in the Lord. This is what the Lord has worked for and prepared for you and I, a home with him forever. And for now, we experience his presence and his rest each week as we worship him, but then it fades as the week goes along. You guys ever experienced that, or am I the only one? It fades. The next six days, we experience this real closeness to the Lord. Man, the Lord was here, and he spoke to me. And he is the Lord. He is God. You feel that closeness. You encounter the Lord, and, but then sin disrupts that. Or just the responsibilities of being a mom or a dad or a child. They just kind of get in the way, right? They just kind of fog up the windows a little bit. And we long for more of the Lord. But guys, there's coming a day when that will no longer be the case. Will not be the case anymore. We will be planted in the unfiltered presence of our Lord, never to be uprooted again. And that's why we're always moving during the week. And we're supposed to stop and not move. Why? Because one day we won't move. We'll be planted. We're there. Where else would we go? You, Lord of the words of life, to whom else would we go, right? Why would I want to be anywhere else? Thank you, Lord. And so we sing each week faith songs. We sing, we declare by faith what is coming our way. We will flourish. We will be fully human. We will be fully alive. We will never die or break because we will be with the Lord who has rescued us and will be with him forever. That's what happens when a tree's always got green sap in it. It's always growing, 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 growing. It's an increase, increase, increase. It's a further up, further into the Lord. It's going to be wonderful. And we're singing about this. And why? Because the Lord himself has worked to provide the way into his presence. He hasn't just provided a home. He's provided a way for us. He's even provided the way to get into the home. They take care of everything. Jesus said it this way in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That literally means, hey, you believe in God, right? Well, then believe in me. I'm God. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. There's plenty. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to what? Prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That sounds like work. I will come and take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. Come home to Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. Come home to Jesus. 
the Lord has generously provided foolish people with a home with him forever, fully furnished. And he's graciously given us the eyes and the ears that we need to enter into that home. Who is worthy of praise like our Lord? Answer, there is no one. (laughs) That's the answer. Who's worthy of praise like our Lord? For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works. O Lord, Crossway, I encourage you, worship the Lord because of his great work in your life. Let's enter into his rest. Let's enter into his rest by singing and declaring and rehearsing week in and week out, over and over, because we're never going to get tired of this song. We're never going to get tired of singing this song. Declaring what he has done for us, what he's done for one another. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we love you. You are the king of this universe and you are the king of our hearts. You have conquered us. You've mastered us. You've given us eyes to see goodness, your goodness. You've given us ear to hear your rest. And I surrender all. I surrender all. You're worthy of the highest praise for what you've done for us and what you've done to us. (laughs) And Lord, I pray that we would never get tired of talking about that and singing about that to you and to one another. Lord, would you make us glad today in your works? And help us respond to them in Jesus' name, amen.